And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing. I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means I spent my Sunday afternoon and early evening in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field. Got to watch a, a, an exciting game, but ultimately a game that went to overtime and went into the win column for the Eagles as the Commanders fall 34-31 in overtime. A lot to get into here. Um, I am on the road back home. I'm, I'm currently uh, pulled over for a moment here uh, at, a, at a stop. But just a few minutes ago while driving, uh, I called up my guy Scott Jackson, who of course hosts radio now in Virginia Beach and is uh, the post-game host on the Commander's broadcast. Uh Scott and I just did essentially a podcast over the phone while driving, hands-free. Everybody relax. We were responsible. Um, And we talked about everything that we kind of saw. What were our primary takeaways? There's no moral victories, but do 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 you take away more positives than negatives considering how Sam Howell and the offense bounced back? We certainly talked about Emmanuel Forbes getting picked on. We talked about Ron Rivera choosing to not go for two points at the end of regulation. And after Hal found Jahan Dodson for a really nice connection on the final play of regulation for that tying touchdown. So we got into all that. Uh, you know, I, I, I it was a fun experiment. Hopefully you guys will... Uh, Enjoy the ride along for a few minutes, and this, there's some ambient noise, of course, because we're in a car, but on 95. But I, I think we hit all the main points as you'd want to know about. Uh, we'll have more podcasts, of course, this week. Short week. Washington hosts the Chicago Bears on Thursday at FedEx Field. I know the Bears gave Denver a run today. What a! Uh, and yet the Bears had a huge lead early against Denver. Uh, it says something about how Denver's defense really is truly horrible, and the Bears are just not that good. So this, look, it'll be a test on the short week, and it's an NFL team, but this will be a game the Commanders really cannot afford to lose. But if they win, they're 3-2 and two after Week 5. It's one of those deals where before the season starts, you say, hey, we'll take that. And then you have Atlanta the following week, also not a very uh, great team right now. So big game for the Commanders coming up. Um, and a, a tough a tough one here, with, with no doubt. My The story that I wrote about really tried to set the mood a little bit about what it was like. And I, and I was contrasting how last year, in this exact same space, it was a jubilant party going on in that locker room because they had pulled off the upset. The Eagles were undefeated at the time. They came in on a Monday night and beat Philly. A lot of partying, a lot of dancing, a lot of happy people. Very opposite situation here. Quiet room, uh, you know, really not much other than just, you know, basic humans uh, shuffling around and, you know, the occasional whispering. And then, of course, the reporters were asking questions. But 
there was not much going on in that locker room. Um, it was a lot of, it was a lot of quiet and, and, you know, look, they, it's understandable, right? I mean, it's a tough way to lose. You know, they had a lead at halftime. They get outscored 11, nothing in the third quarter when they had, I think 18 net yards on offense. And then they rallied back with two touchdowns in the final eight Oh one to ultimately tie the game. And, you know, as I said, we can discuss more about the, the, the decision to not go for two. I haven't seen the analytics on that, but, uh, I would imagine, some people, some would suggest they should have gone for it, especially as an underdog. They didn't do that. But as I said, Scott and I got into that. Um, John Dotson, for what it's worth, said he was he was fine. His ankle was fine. He, he only left the game briefly, came back in. Needless to say, he made the touchdown catch at the end. I, I don't know about too many other injuries. I got Quan Martin uh, left at one point, but he then came back in and saw him in the locker room seemed okay uh the plan this week because of the short week ron rivera will speak with us on zoom tomorrow tuesday will be the the practice day for the week at least with us out there wednesday they're off at least in terms of the media and then thursday against the bears um as i said we talk about the defense and we talk about emmanuel forb Manual Forbes. I will be curious to, to see what the tape shows uh, for us. But you know, look, if you tell me the the the, the offense is going to score 31 points against the Eagles, boy, you'd have to feel pretty good about Washington's chances. And ultimately, that was just to tie the game, and then they lose in overtime. This is not, you know, this is not syncing up the way everybody would would would, would hope. And yet at the same time, you know, last week, they ultimately the Bills hang 37 points, but it was 16-0 into the fourth. Here, you know, the commanders held them to 10 points at halftime for a 17-10 lead. Things turned in the third quarter for sure. Um, and I'm not saying, I'm not, hey, look, the, give the Eagles credit and the commanders should, uh, you know, accept some lumps on this, but a lot of it was on Emmanuel Forbes, it certainly looked like. So, it's weird, like, I don't, it's, I don't want to say it's unacceptable, but clearly the defense needs to play better. The front, after some imposing stretches, the first two games, not so much the last two games. will be interesting to see what we hear from Ron Rivera about that overall tomorrow. Um, one thing I thought notable on offense, well, I think a lot of things were notable on offense, uh, the, there was a much better run-pass balance in this game, especially in the first half. Uh, Washington, per per uh, true media, Washington in the first half of the first three games was last in the league in rush attempts and first in the league in pass attempts. That seems like an odd choice with a young quarterback. It was a lot more balanced today. Um, still more passing, but far closer to, to, to even even though they didn't run the ball particularly well, but they, they they kept the Eagles' offense, our defense, honest with that approach. I also like the fact that they threw the ball to Terry McLaurin uh, early and often. He had 10 targets, ultimately eight catches. Uh, that really helped open up the rest of the offense. It forced Philly to shift a little more dramatically towards McLaurin uh, after, that, uh, after Washington was throwing it his way a lot, and that did open things up for Dodson. Curtis Samuel and others, but ifs and buts and all that, they ultimately lose in overtime on a Jake Elliott 54-yard field goal, 
again, after Washington chose not to go for two by the end of regulation. Um, all right, let's get to this. Here's my conversation with Scott. As I said, we were both driving on 95 from different parts of the of the world, but uh, always insightful talking to Scott, who is at Jackson Sports on Twitter. So here we go. My conversation with Scott Jackson on I-95 here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, we're going to try and experiment. I like to do this every once in a while, try something different. And seeing as how I'm driving home, it's a hands-free situation. Everybody relax. I'm driving home from Philly, and my guy Scott Jackson, who, of course, does the post-game show on the radio broadcast, he's also got a, a lengthy drive ahead of my spot. Scott, let's talk about, rather than just talk to each other, let's, like, talk about the game for my podcast audience. What, what a, Scott, is that, is that like a Mark, do I get a Marconi for that? Or I don't know how that works. Yeah, I think it could win an award for doing this. Yeah, I did this once after a Wizards-Sixers game, and somebody told me they could tell. I don't know if I said I was driving. Maybe I did, but they said they could tell they could, like, hear me, like, when I would go through, like, the toll booths or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're having some fun right now and joking. It was a pretty somber situation in the locker room after the game, understood, um, you know, a tough a tough loss in overtime. Uh, the, the commanders were every bit of competitive that, you know, we were hoping to see them after last week. But nonetheless, they fell short. What was the sort of your big takeaway on the uh, on the post game? Well, I mean, yeah, it was a huge improvement. Uh, clearly, Sam Howell needed that performance. I mean, there's no moral victory Monday or anything like that, but – Look, you know, they at least settled the, the, the waters and the discussions about Lounge. They have put 100% in by now, and this guy really ready for it. And he learned from his mistakes. You know, he obviously uh, did a better job this week of protecting himself, although he did still take some hits as he has and some sacks. But, you know, overall, as an offense, I thought you the enemy did a really good job with uh, the plan this week. You know, Philly's a tough team to run on. Uh, they didn't give up on it, though. They kept trying, you know, kept trying to keep him on it. I think that was important. Um, you know, the thing that my big picture takes away from this game is uh, what's going on with the defense. I mean, yeah, they got a lot of high, you know, high scores last week for even at 16 to nothing going to the fourth and having to deal with a lot of sudden change and those kind of things. But, you know, big picture, look right now, this is pretty straight week. They've given 30 points plus without, you know, they've given up that much, that many points. I think going into the year, we said, well, hey, this offense can just you know, score in the low 20s, they're going to win a lot of games because the defense is so good and, you know, all these tough one picks and all, you know, all the investment in the defense. Here we are four weeks in, and I say, you know, the defense obviously won the day against Arizona, but since then, uh, you know, again, the group has been spotty here and there. The takeaways obviously weren't there today, the exact numbers weren't there, and it was really a day they needed possessions, and the defense could never provide this with the offense. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yeah, interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to defense in a second, but it's interesting that that was where your big takeaway went. My, my like my basic story for the athletic, which presumably will be online by the time people hear this, was about how trying to decipher what what was the bigger takeaway from the offensive perspective. That obviously, look, they they came up short as a team, and they were all bummed about that. Like I said, that was pretty quiet in that locker room, but at the same time. The, the response from Hal, the response, I think, from the offense overall, I mean, imagine if they had lost in a, in a you know, I don't think you could compare to last, you couldn't match last week's debacle, but, like, you know, if they had a non-competitive loss here, think of the conversation that would be happening this week in town going to the Bears game. Do you have to bench Hal? What, when's the owner going to just make a move already? But instead, like, no, I, I think that performance – I mean, look, you can't lose to the Bears next week, you know? But, like, I think that performance really should hopefully shut people up about the idea, like you said, of making a QB change. We're thinking that this team isn't up to snuff. It's uh, They're still going to win. But, like, I, I – and you're right, there's no moral victories. The players, everybody said it. But I, I, I took it as, like, especially considering Howell's involved, that, like, there was a lot of positives out of this. And it wasn't going to – the loss wouldn't – taint that for me, even though from the player's perspective, I totally get why they were like, screw that, we lost, that's that's the story. Yeah, I mean, look, that last drive was a big play, and anybody else who's been out to these OTAs, uh, the training camp practices, uh, the mini camp for that, I mean, you saw them work on these things over and over again, these two-minute drills, two-minute drills, two-minute drills, I mean, it felt like yeah, most of the practices were about two-minute drills, and they handled them perfectly for a short time. Really, really nailed it. And I think that's going to be fun to know. Now, the other big takeaway was, wow, I feel like we were here in 2020, and we, I, I thought I remember the head coach saying he always likes to go for two and win on the road, and he chose not to do that. And I, although I would, I can also, you know, think in my head, haven't been very good, uh, you know, in the situation. I also wouldn't have been mad or disappointed had they just said go for it and try to win it right there with zero seconds on the clock or whatever it would have been at that point. And instead of, you know, basically giving up the first two points, other than having to drive the ball back down the field uh, and obviously let the Eagles offense get back on the field, which ultimately happened and lose the game the way they did. So I think that's something we'll certainly be talking about. I think the analytics people will tell you, you know, if you're two yards away, you probably get a better chance. You know, that little one flavor, you know, having to you know, get in the ball and then drive it down the field. And, of course, just the other side of it, which is if, you could have, if the Eagles would have won the toss and you kicked it to them and you didn't stop them, you know, and then you would have lost that way as well. They'd have got a touchdown and they're going to end it. But anyway, there's this a lot of things, that, you know, that, that kind of come to mind there um, at the end of the game that I, that I thought was, um, you know, maybe maybe it might have been time for, for the Riverboat and Ron to come out uh, on that last uh, last season. Yeah, I heard a couple of people on the Eagles side uh, in the press box after the game discussing that they, you know, why didn't Washington go for it? And they kind of were snickering at the, the riverboat um, yeah. nick, nickname. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I told. Yeah, 
I totally get it, obviously, but, like, at the same time, I was kind of like, well, if you think, like, I guess if you view yourself as the underdog, which logically they should, then you know, that's the type of play to go for. Rivera was asked about it after the game. He said he did think about it, but decided that the offense that was pretty gassed at that moment um, after the long drive, and, you know, they'd also scored. Before that, uh, with that 801 mark, the Brian Robinson touchdown. So he decided to not go there. Um, yeah, it'll definitely be a debate. I, I can't say here, honestly, that I had like a strong gut feel in the moment, but I understand the notion of, uh, you know, maybe they should have, in fact, tried to win it right there. Um, let, let's just talk about Sam Howell a bit more broadly. Uh, I thought, I mean, look. You can't, you know, you can't ignore the Bills game, but let's just put that aside as just a massive one-off. I mean, he has been very solid in 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 the three other games, uh, two wins and the and the overtime loss today. Uh, you know, I think today you mentioned the sacks and he still got him five times. I, whereas the, the other times he was getting sacked in the other games, it was pretty obvious. A lot of it was on him. I didn't totally get the feeling that it was this time as much. Um, you know, I think at times the Eagles were in there just super quick. And I, I thought he did a better job of, you know, running, um, getting at, you know, throwing it away when he had to. He definitely has got to stop taking hits when he's running. He's got, you know, that's clearly the, the, the UNC how doing that. But other than that, I thought he did a – I thought that was like there was progress there. And not to mention, you know, to have the stones to throw that pass to Dotson the way he did on the last drive. He had completed a few other passes right before that to get them to the 10 so I, I was really impressed by how, obviously, you know, it, despite the loss. Well, it's in the to McLaurin that you mentioned 
you know, it gets called on the field as a no catch. And it felt like there were a lot of times today where, by the way, nobody can complain about the refs today. The Eagles got whistled for tons of plays that helped move the chain several times. Um, but on that play, you know, it felt like there were a few times when, like, we're like, ooh, was that, a, was that, which way should that call go? We were all so uh, indecisive on what to think in the press box that it became obvious the refs were going to feel the same way and just call it the call on the field stand. And that's what they did here. What was interesting about it was a couple of things. One, both Hal and McLaurin independently said that, the, you know, that McLaurin had a safety on him in man which was rare for the Eagles to go to man on that play. And Hal said he was definitely going to Terry the whole time. There was a moment where if Hal had let the ball go, both players felt that it would have been a pretty simple catch for McLaurin before the sideline. But there was like a moment where Hal had to adjust in the pocket because I guess somebody was getting close. And just that nanosecond threw off the timing just enough for the result that happened happened. You know, I don't think Terry had seen the replay yet. He knows, though, that he, you know, he knew he stepped on the player's uh, arm uh, in part because he saw, like, uh, a, a scar or a gash or some some sort of cut from his cleats uh, on the on the player. So there was that. But, yeah, that was a tough one. And, you know, like I said, so many of the other calls, correct or not, went Washington's way. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it looks like maybe you should have called it, but, you know, again, they weren't going to overturn it once the call went the way that it went initially. Um, yeah. I know. I mean, you're right. They didn't have extending, like, drive like, uh, extending penalties and helping this football game. And, like, you can blame Johnson for a guard on 80% of his staff. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, I don't I mean, as much as people want to spend time on the touch points, you know, that's the yeah, outlaw. How about, like, Yeah, for sure. All right, let's flip it over to the defense. So you mentioned questions there. I, I think there has to be some for sure. I mean, I, I thought, the, you know, when you give up 34 points, that's obviously a, a lot. And the offense didn't commit any turnovers, so you can't put it on them the way they've been for the last couple of weeks. That said, they've given up at least 30 points in three straight games. And, you know, part of the whole point here is that whatever's going to be happening, you know, complimentary football, if Sam, if Sam Howe – and the offense has to play with at least a little bit of training wheels, you know, for, uh, as they're all, you know, new co- new quarterback, new OC, new offensive line, all these things. Okay, fine. Let's, uh, you know, let's give it a minute. But, you know, th- this was above and beyond that in terms of what the defense was, was, was doing. I mean, they did get, they did sack Hurts a little bit. I thought in the first half they had some pretty good pressure, but, you know, he got the better of them late. I, and, I, and I'm interested to see on tape kind of what that looked like. But the real takeaway on defense, and I don't know what was being said on television, but you don't see a team pick on a, on a player as much as the Eagles picked on Emmanuel Forbes. Uh, I mean, he was getting lit up all over the place. Uh, A.J. Brown's two touchdowns were, were on him. I think uh, Nikki Javales, if you looked it up, that the, like the four biggest Eagles plays were on were against Forbes. That was rough. Uh, Rivera, Rivera said they picked on the young guy, but he wouldn't. He didn't mention Forbes by name. Uh, what, what was the what was the TV announcer? What were they saying, or what was your view of, of that? Well, unfortunately, my 
like Parker, who's uh, meant to be a bulldog, uh, oh. <laughs> friend, like, like, look, you're going to have days like these, you know, he's like, I was picked on, you know, everybody gets it, and, you know, these two guys, you hope that they're going to be going at it for many years to come in the division. I mean, you and I are old enough to remember, you mean, Mike Lurvin ain't down for his lunch on a regular. I mean, let's be honest about it, you know, well, I mean, it, it happened, you know, like, was a much bigger guy, you know, longer guy than Daryl was, he beat him a lot, I mean, hierarchy of this franchise is defense, right? I mean, the whole head coach, defense guy that, you know, Jack Real, even the guy who's been with us for four years, he's not doing with them like, like, the enemy's doing this group. This is supposed to be the strength. And I, I think they, they got to take a big L today. I mean, as much as anybody, he loses the team, but this is not what this defense is supposed to do. I mean, they're supposed to be winning the games early. This offense gets their act together. That's just all offseason. They've got all these picks. They've been together so long. We understand each other. But here they are, you know, stumbling out of the gates again after the Arizona game where they're facing a quarterback who had been with his team for two weeks. Um, so, I mean, that, that should be a concern. I mean, I don't know how other else to look at it. And by the way, as bad as the Bears have been, we know how this team doesn't do against running quarterbacks. And Justin Fields, you know, if they let it run, is very dangerous in doing that. He actually had a pretty good game today against what is obviously a terrible Denver defense, um, you know, this week. So I, I'm very concerned about what's going on defensively, and it's not just the Forbes, but just as a whole. I mean, again, didn't create any takeaways today. Pressure was okay. It went great. Nothing special. Um, two of the sacks were really Taylor Hurts running into the line or giving himself up. You know, they weren't even real traditional sacks. So uh, they, they, they had certainly uh, some far weeks here to start the season. This isn't the first time either in the four years uh, that we've seen this, that they've tended to get off a little slow out of the blocks. Now, the good news is usually by, you know, late October, November, they find their money, but, uh, you know, you're kind of hoping here. The light bulb is going to click on a lot quicker. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know if you if you can hear that, but a, a, a motorcycle going a billion miles an hour and weaving in and out of cars has zoomed past me, so... Uh, I mean, th- look, I, I've been on a motorcycle once in my life. That was enough. And that was, that was on like a local road. That wasn't, uh, that, that wasn't on the highway. I God bless those people for, uh, for doing that. But just, yeah, don't, don't, don't leave in front of me. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, you know, in terms of next week, you know, obviously it's a, it's a short week. I, I was thinking about this, you know, they, they either all obviously go with either three corners or three safeties with Percy Butler, the third safety. And I would imagine between the opponent and, frankly, what we just saw from Forbes, that there's going to be a lot more three safety in the plan for next week, uh, you know, as, as a way to have another guy to help, you know, contain a, a running quarterback, like you said, assuming the Bears let Fields um, run around. Um, what else? Any other final takeaways? I mean, you know, it's, like I said, I, I'm not in the moral victory game either. I don't buy that for pro sports, but I, I just think that that loss last week was so dreadful that you know I feel like I want to give them all like a, a gold star sounds condescending, but you know like a you know I want to be like hey look I I I, I think that was a, a worthy effort and you know look Billy's good. I mean you know obviously they're the reigning NFC champs. They're four and zero, but at the same time it did feel like this was an opportunity to, to take it and. Uh, and they just didn't get it done. Yeah, and, and by the way, I'll say this, I've watched all the Eagles games up to this point. This was the best their offense has operated. DeAndre Swift didn't go up like he had in the previous weeks, uh, you know, which is surprising. It's watched 
been careful against the run prior to, you know, prior to this week. I think they were 20 seconds coming in. So the weird thing is the run defense ends up having a better day. Also, part of that was maybe Philly picking the, you know, deciding to really pick at the uh, Washington secondary. And, you know, again, impressive because this was a team that everybody expects to get to the quarterback. And they have enough confidence in that offensive line, which is, you know, frankly, probably the premier offensive line of the end of the does the post-game show. More importantly, if you're in the uh, Virginia Beach area, he's the radio host. Tell everybody your radio scenario and how they can listen to you if they're up in D.C. as well. Yeah, at the 757 uh, down here. Uh, you can catch me on uh, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 from uh, 3 to 7 Monday through Friday. And we do have an app, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll talk a lot of commanders, a lot of commanders fans from 757. By the way, speaking of Taylor Heineke, I, I I didn't watch the Falcons game. It was the London game, but like because I was getting ready. But I saw obviously they they was they barely scored and Desmond Ritter wasn't that good. I I don't know, so I don't know what the view is. But I feel like we're like one more half of bad football away in week five from the uh, from from the Falcons going to Heineke and who does Watson play in week six? I'm just saying. Just saying. I think so too. My main takeaway, though, Ben, going into next week is please don't give us another 12 to 7 Thursday night showdown. Yeah, no. If, if that happens, uh, <laughs> you know, then, then yeah, I mean, then, then, then all the positive vibes I'm saying, like, in terms of how they responded, will disappear. Uh, uh, although, for us, if Ron Rivera has another epic rant post game, then maybe that's the, for, for our purposes, for the looky-lose purposes, that would be worth it, but not for the aesthetics. Yeah, for and it's the national audience again. Yeah, we can't we can't have that. Um, oh, all right. Fair. Streaming, streaming national audience. Fair enough. Um, my guy, this was fun. I have no idea how this is going to sound, but we're all fingers crossed. All right, buddy. Thanks for the time. All right. Many thanks to Scott for doing. For, for participating in that experiment. Thanks to everyone for checking out the podcast. Uh, I'll, of course, also make sure to read my work on The Athletic, and you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. That is it for now. Uh, ben Standig signing off. Until next time, see ya.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.